Welcome to the archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. John Sutter was an emigre from Switzerland who came to California to establish his new Helvetia in the land of opportunity, located in what is now close to Sacramento, California. A man with vision and organization and a liking to drink, Sutter built an economically thriving Anglo-American settlement outpost in what was then Mexican California. The economy was based on livestock and lumber and used forced Native American labor. The discovery of gold in 1849 at a mill owned by Sutter started the gold rush that ultimately led to his undoing ruining him financially as the mass of humanity tramped through the lands he then claimed to own on their way to the gold fields. John Sutter was portrayed by historian David Fenimore as part of Rediscovering California at 150, the California Sesquicentennial Initiative produced by the California Council for the Humanities. I met with John Sutter and David Fenimore in San Francisco in December 1988 and began by asking John Sutter to describe what it was like when he first arrived in Sacramento. Well, we sailed up the river, myself and my men, uh, on three vessels, and we were bedeviled by mosquitoes, but amazed at the fertility of the flat ground around the river, the broad channel, the deep water. Uh, we saw Indian sign. I was used to recognizing Indian sign, for I had grown used to Indians in Missouri. Uh, bunches of white feathers tied in the bushes, offerings to, to their gods or their devils. We came to a point several miles below the confluence of the Rio de los Americanos, which I later called the American River, when suddenly in a clearing appeared several hundred painted savages. As far as we could interpret their actions, were preparing to, to fight us. Um, my men, of course, raised their firearms and were ready to, to shoot, but I told them to hold their fire. And I drew close to the bank and stepped ashore. And counting on the fact that there were probably some former mission Indians among them. I greeted them in my best Spanish, calling out, Adios, amigos! Not knowing necessarily what adios meant at the time. My Spanish was very poor, as was my English in those days. Well, the effect was they saw we were not of Mexican origin. Well, the Mexicans they had grown to detest, they raided them for, for a cattle, a stole horses, uh, from them and, and were used to uh, fighting off the Mexican punitive expeditions. Uh, the Californios were no friend of the Indios. But they saw that we were others. I had actually represented myself earlier as a um, King George man uh, around the Wind River Rendezvous in Fort Walla Walla uh, as rather than a Boston man, meaning that I presented myself as a Britisher and not as an American because the Indians detested Americans but did not mind the British. So in this way, I presented myself as what I chose to early in my life, which was a French or a Swiss rather than a, um, rather than a uh, Mexican, although I intended to become a Mexican citizen by becoming naturalized and taking up land. Uh, but at this point, the Indios did not know this. I gave them 
beads and bandanas, other trade goods. This was very pleasing to them, mollified them. They later, of course, became my good friends. And I sailed further up the Sacramento River and up the Feather River. But my men began to, if not exactly mutiny, at least act very disgruntled, for they did not want to go so far into the wilderness. So I uh, turned around and went up the American River and uh, had myself and my goods and, and my men, my associates, uh, uh, put ashore uh, on the north bank of the American River, where we, uh, or sorry, the south bank of the American River, where we founded our new Helvetia. And that became kind of a compound and a little enterprise. It began as uh, some grass shacks uh, built on a wood frame, for I had my, my Kanakas with me from the Sandwich Islands who knew how to build in this manner. Uh, then we built a small ranch house of adobes, and that's where I spent the winter with my men. And uh, in the next season, we built larger adobe structures, uh, corrals, blacksmith shop, and uh, the year after that, built a fort with uh, walls many feet thick and, and towers to mount our cannons. In the same neighborhood? In the same area. It was high ground, so it was immune from floods, and it was away from the mosquitoes. How long after that was it that John Marshall came to you with uh, the flaky, shiny metal? I first came to the Valley of the Sacramento in 1839, and it was January 1848, nine years later. Describe that when he came to you. What was his feeling? What was your feeling? I had by that time a thriving establishment. I had thousands of acres seeded in wheat and barley and other grains, vast herds of horses and, and cattle, so many I could not count them, and manufacturers of all kinds, hats and barrels and saddles and even guns. And um, we were packing salmon in barrels and selling it for $20 a barrel down below in San Francisco. When I saw these golden grains in that green glass vial, I had a premonition that the world would greatly interfere with my plans. What was John Marshall's premonition? Do you he know? had none. He was very suspicious. He came in with this vial, and it was, it was raining very hard outside. Did he know what he was carrying? He believed he knew, yes, uh, but he wasn't sure. He showed me these grains and immediately said, are we alone? And I said, yes. And then he ran up to the door and threw it open. And there was one of my servants standing there. And I chased him away and locked the door and came back and took what he had given me, these grains. And I poured on them a strong solution of uh, aqua regis, a strong, a strong acid. And, and it proved invul invulnerable to this acid. And I examined it under a glass. And I went and I read the entire section uh, entitled Gold in the Encyclopedia Britannica and determined uh, partly using a scale that it was indeed gold. Tell me more. So what, ha I made what happened a, then? I made a melancholy ride to Coloma, which was uh, a little over 30 miles from my fort. We had built a road and I looked around for myself. I dug in the ground and with nothing but a penknife, I dug up a lump of gold weighing an ounce and a half. I tried to swear my men to secrecy. Were others with you when you dug with your penknife that day? There were some of my men there, yes. And 
I tried to tell them that it would be a mistake if this news should get out. But the news, of course, did get out. Whiskey and women let it out. Uh, Sam Brannan, later that season, um, rode through the streets of San Francisco, uh, waving a nugget and shouting, Gold! Gold on the American River! And that began what we called the gold fever. What happened to your thriving enterprise as the gold fever rose, the temperature became warmer and warmer? More and more people came to the area. And these were not sturdy immigrants. These were not farmers. These were the worst kinds of rascals. What do you mean? What kind of people were they? Unprincipled people, people with no sense of honor, uh, men who would do a wholesale business in stealing, men who would uh, just as soon steal um, what they were not willing to work for, men who, who drove off my cattle and killed them for food, men who, men who pastured their horses and my grain. They say that men will steal anything except millstones and milestones. They stole my millstones. Out of your mill? Out of my mill. They stripped the boards from the buildings to use to build fires and to build their own shanties. What did they do with the millstones? I don't, I don't know. They stole anything that was not fastened and many things that were. Um, my fort lay deserted. I could not keep anyone there. Everyone left me from the clerk to the cook. Even my Indians left. A few men lingered for a few weeks to finish some, some jobs, but they too went to the mines. The lure of the gold was too extraordinary. Around California, uh, uh, barbers were putting down their razors. Um, uh, sailors were leaving their ships. Captains were walking away from ships. There were, there were dozens and dozens of three-masted schooners lying abandoned in the harbors at Yerba Buena. Uh, no one had ever seen the like. Did you go? Did the gold fever get John Sutter? I went and tried my hand at the diggings. I took my Indians, I took wagons and supplies, but I could not make it pay. It was too difficult, too much work, and people were stealing the gold right and left. Uh, it was not the kind of work for which I was suited. I think the gold fever was a kind of lottery where men would, would take a chance and only one or two out of a hundred would, would get rich. I'm, I'm a farmer. I believe in agriculture. You ran the farms uh, in the fields around the fort as kind of an entrepreneur, uh, selling them, taking the fish live out of the stream, shipping them uh, west to San Francisco? There was a great business uh, in, in sending, uh, sending wheat and barley and manufactured items and, and salted salmon and barrels. A great business sending this down below on my schooner down the Sacramento River and in trade receiving other necessary goods, uh, uh, ammunition and guns and iron to make plows and uh, locks and bolts and, and, and such as that. Let me take a moment and say that I'm talking with John Sutter about the history of his fort that he built at the confluence of the American River and the Sacramento River. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Mr. Sutter, uh, John, if I may, uh, Captain, if, if I must, uh, 
weren't you able to sell all of these goods that you describe uh, to the gold miners, to the people who came to seek their fortune? For a time, I made, I made a good business selling places to stay. I rented out rooms in my fort. I rented out buildings to be used as stores and storerooms and bar rooms and taverns. And, and for a while, I did have an income from this. But I had many men working for me who were not the most trustworthy sort. Uh, before the gold fever, I had men who I could trust, like Bidwell and Marshall and Redding. But when the gold fever came, it brought a worse sort of man. Men, white men, who I trusted less than I trusted Indians. Men like Samuel Kybers, who ran a hotel at the fort and should have made me money. But his bad management and dishonest business practices ended up costing me money. Were there women there at the time? There were women. There were settlers uh, around the area of the fort. I had opened my lands up to emigrants and every People year. People who, who came for something other than gold. Over the mountains. The men who, and women who loved the promise of the soil, as I did and wished to settle themselves. Of course, when the gold fever came over us, they even abandoned their plows and went to the diggings. And the Donner Party was one of those groups. The Donner Party came earlier. That was in 1847 uh, when we first heard news of the Donner Party. And I, I had heard of it and attempted to guarantee the wages of the rescuers. And in fact, I went myself with cattle and, and dragged some of these poor, suffering human beings out of the snow. What was that like? What did you see? How were they? They were starved and emaciated, and uh, their minds, in some cases, were devastated by what they had seen, by what they had been forced to do. But to these poor unfortunates, I acted like I acted to all emigrants. I how had was, pity how on was them. That? I fed them. I clothed them. I provided them with necessary articles at no charge. I allowed them to sleep in the fort. Uh, I did my best to make them comfortable, to encourage them and refresh them. And many of them married associates of mine. Uh, many of the survivors became prominent citizens in California. Captain Sutter, some people say you drank a lot. Some people say you drank too much. Did you like to drink? I enjoyed a glass of brandy. We established a distillery at the fort, and uh, many of my visitors said they appreciated their first drink of manufactured liquor at my table. I imported a stock of good wine. A gentleman must have good wine and champagne to give to his friends. Why, one time, I threw a banquet in San Francisco for some of my friends. Uh, uh, later, in the 1850s, that cost me $10,000, and it was well appreciated. What was the occasion? Celebration. We oh. need not an occasion. Whenever I have distinguished visitors, I want, to, I want to be sure that they are honored, and in turn, they will honor me. Now, occasionally, some of them would, would say that I perhaps had been bibing too much. General William T. Sherman, who uh, participated in a banquet uh, as my guest, uh, wrote later that I had become somewhat tight, and I wrote him saying that it was most ungracious of a guest who had been imbibing as freely as I had and sharing in the general hilarity to accuse his host of drunkenness. And he wrote me a letter of apology and retracted his statements. Forgiven? Yes, as a gentleman should.
When you arrived earlier in California, before you went to Sacramento, you called upon uh, Mariano Guadalupe Vallejo at his home in Sonoma. Uh, I think you were investigating that as a place to settle, as a place to live, and you chose not to. I believe I'd already settled by that time on the interior valley of the California, but it was judicious of me to visit some of my neighbors and to examine their establishments, make myself known. Uh, Vallejo, um, as the sailors say, ran a tight ship at the Pueblo de Sonoma, and I noticed that uh, every visitor was uh, required to doff his hat by the flag post, by the military sentry, by the Catholic Church, and to Vallejo himself. Vallejo did offer me land in the vicinity of El Pueblo de Sonoma, and I declined, saying to him that I wished a land with navigable access uh, to the sea, but privately thinking that I preferred a land where I might keep my hat on, where I might be absolute master. You wanted to be in charge. I believed that I knew how to how to establish and run a colony, yes. Where did that belief come from? Your childhood, your background, uh, your emigration from your native land in Switzerland? I observed carefully after I came to the United States in 1834. I first came to Missouri, as you may know, and bought land in Missouri, but found it too cold and too sparsely populated and, and not enough of a market for agricultural products. So I moved westward gradually, and as I did, I observed the various forts, first along the Santa Fe Trail, such as Bent's Fort, and later along the Fur Trail, the Hudson's Bay Trail, uh, Fort Hall, Fort Boise, Fort Walla Walla, uh, and Fort Vancouver especially. I observed how these forts were constructed, how they engaged in trade and manufacture, and uh, how they, how they uh, uh, proceeded in agricultural endeavors and also how they managed the local Indians and used them for labor. And I accumulated enough information, I believe, based on these observations to know how to operate a sort of fort of my own. I also learned to deal with the Indians when I was in Missouri. Uh, I learned that uh, buying them whiskey was the quickest way to influence them. Influence them to do what? Uh, to do my bidding to work for me. It was a great advantage that we could hire the Indians as laborers so cheaply. In California, it made slavery unnecessary. We pay them with blankets, with brandy, uh, with clothing. Uh, without the Indians, we could not have brought in the great harvests that we did. We trained the Indians to be, to be vaqueros, uh, some of the better-looking ones I trained to be soldiers. I marched them as cavalry, drilled them with German commands, uh, Schnell! Halt! and so forth. And they, 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 they traveled with me as an honor guard with plumes and with muskets. The women we trained to manufacture articles, to operate looms. Uh, uh, this was the foundation on which my establishment was based. But your establishment did not survive the gold rush, and you left Sacramento and went north to Oak Farm, uh, probably in the area that was named as a county after you. My Hoch Farm was on the banks of the Feather River. I am happy to hear the county has been named after me. It's just the, the least that they could do to honor my great sacrifices. Tell us of your life there. Oak Farm was, was away from the, from the confusion at 
what became to be called Sacramento, the town that Sam Brannan founded there at my Embarcadero, and not where I would have located it, the town of, uh, of Sacramento, as uh, Brannan decided to found it and duped my son August into assisting him founding it. it is too, the ground is too low. It's subject to floods. It's a foolish place to locate a city. They should have located it south along the river where I had laid out Sutterville on higher ground, immune to the floods. But Och Farm was also uh, away from the floods on high ground over the river. And uh, there I pastured cattle. I had sent much of my cattle and horses up there. I uh, uh, grew melons and I sowed wheat. And of course the squatters followed me there too. They stole my cattle, the sorts of unprincipled men Americans, unfortunately, who came to California, saw me as a foreigner and saw my property as theirs. On reflection, were you a happy man? I had very happy times, sir, yes, and I look forward to more happy times. As soon as the United States Congress shall pass the bill that shall recompense me for the taxes paid on my Sobrante grant, I'm only asking $50,000. I receive a, a $250 a month from the California legislator, a, not a, as a gift, mind you, but as a refund of taxes paid on this grant that was stripped from me by the Supreme Court. John Sutter, I want to thank you for telling us about your life, and I'd like to know if you read during your lifetime, and if you did, could you tell us some of the things that you did read, some of the books that you enjoyed? When I was a young man in Switzerland, I read the novels of Sir Walter Scott, such as Ivanhoe. These were the romantic novels that young men of my generation read. I also read a, a book by a Gottfried Duden, who was a German speaker, who wrote a book called Report Concerning North America. And it was a, an account of his travels in the United States. And uh, many German speakers were reading Duden's book and coming to the United States as a result. I, I was one of these emigrants. Why would you not go to a place, as Duden described, like Eden, with a river, the Missouri River, like the Nile, destined to be the seat of a great civilization, with beautiful nature, trees, as if an artist had made a park? John Sutter, thank you for telling us about your life. Thank you, sir. And David Fenimore. Hi, Barry. How is it that um, you reflect on John Sutter? What are your thoughts as the scholar of this man who you uh, portray? Well, Barry's alter ego you carry in your bow tie. Beginning to carry, maybe. It's a very much a, a Chautauqua character in draft. Um, the book is still open on Sutter. Uh, both my own personal book and, and the and the larger book of history. He's a, a complex character, um, and of course he's one of these Western characters that's been mythologized so heavily. Sure, it's difficult sure. to strip away the stories and the legends and the misinformation that that is. Well, what's your take on him? The kind of person that he was. He was a a man of of great imagination, a man of great vision, who. Um, grew up in a Europe that was being swept by what historians sometimes call the romantic spirit, uh, dramatic individualism, um, the uh, worship of the primitive and the wild. And uh, Sutter, I believe, genuinely believed that he could reconstruct civilization 
um, given enough land um, with himself as the um, as the centerpiece. Did he have a philosophy for this reconstruction? Or did he just want to be the uh, absolute leader? I don't think he had a conscious philosophy. I think, you know, you might, you might if you were being uh, cynical about it, call it uh, megalomania. Uh, but he came from a Europe where, um, you know, in the 18th century in Europe, that was uh, uh, one of the last uh, centuries of uh, absolutist monarchs. You know, remember what Louis XIV is famous to have said, l'état c'est moi, you know, the state, it is me. Uh, and so I think Sutter, maybe unconsciously, was trying to reconstruct a kind of uh, absolutism, a kind of uh, aristocratic authority with, with, with himself at the helm, and with the Indians, as uh, I don't believe he knew of the Indians or their potential before he got to America. Duden just seems to have seen them as, as pests, you know, as dangerous wild beasts. But I think Sutter saw that he could use the Indians as a kind of peasantry uh, in the old medieval sense of uh, the lowest class of society that's tied to the land and pretty much goes with the land and is at the beck and call of, of the lord of the manor. How do you think California would have evolved if Sutter had said to Marshall, that's not gold, that's just trash? That's a, uh, that sort of speculation is interesting. I think it might have been too late. I think that Marshall uh, himself would have figured it out, or one of his men. Uh, you might ask if Sutter had not bankrolled Marshall to build this mill, how long it would have taken before gold had been discovered. Um, the sorts of immigrants who, uh, who were being attracted by Sutter, um, I believe would eventually have spread up into the, into the mountains, into the area around Coloma, or some of the other rivers where the placer gold was lying around. And, I think sooner or later it would have been discovered, if not in 1848, you know, a year, two, three or four later, uh, the uh, Californios, the Mexicans had not found it, certainly, because the Indians had pretty much kept them out of the interior. It would have twinkled in someone else's eye. I believe so. Um, you know, how it would have developed, how differently, is an interesting question. As a scholar of uh, California history and uh, John Sutter, can you recommend a book? Um, a book on Sutter, the best biography on Sutter is probably the um, uh, one by Richard Dillon that I think is still in print called Fool's Gold. Uh, it's, there have been no lack of biographies of Sutter which have worshipped him or, or kept up the various myths. Dillon's was the first to try to strip away some of the myth going back to primary sources and telling Sutter's real, very interesting and not quite as attractive story. Professor David Fenimore, thank you for being with us. In this archive edition of Radio Curious, John Sutter has been portrayed by Chautauqua scholar David Fenimore. The books that John Sutter recommended is Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott and Report Concerning North America by Gottfried Duden. The book that David Fenimore recommends is Fool's Gold by Richard Dillon. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. 
The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.